Hi, and welcome back to Spatulas and Speculations. I am your unofficial professor, Lily, or as you may more commonly know me as a happy hermit on TikTok and on Instagram. Today is an episode that has been a long time coming. It's one of those things that we've talked about in multiple passings. Um, we've touched on on different episodes. Um, it's one of those things that just kind of it's a question that we'll be questioning until the end of all of our questioning, essentially. Um, so yeah, uh, before I even get into what today's episode is, I'm just going to throw out the biggest warning ever. This episode contains spoilers to the entire SJM universe, all 15 books. If you have not read all the way through Akatar, don't wa listen to this. If you haven't read all of House of Sky, to all of Crescent City, definitely all of House of Sky and Breath, don't listen to this. If you have not read all of Tog, and I'm not just saying like, ah, uh, I've read enough of Tog. If you have not read all of Throat of Glass, do not listen to this. Because we're going to be talking about something, um, things in all, th all three of these series, and, um you know, just the bigger, bigger plot points, uh, especially when it comes to a certain character. So if you haven't finished reading Throne of Glass, then, you know, it's going to be spoiled for you. And trust me, you don't want it spoiled for you. Out of all of the series, not to lie, I was going to say, out of all the series, you don't want spoiled for you. It's Throne of Glass. But I really do think, like, that end moment in House of Sky and Breath trumps, trumps anything in, in Throne of Glass. So I don't know, whatever. Um, so today's episode, because I got that warning out of the way, you've been warned if you're still here and you're still listening, I don't know who you are, but don't. <laughs> I don't, I, it, I just have a feeling, for some reason today, I'm just having this really big feeling of like, someone is going to be listening and they shouldn't be listening. So if you're that person, I have a feeling that you're listening and you shouldn't be listening, so stop listening. But come back when you're done. I want you to come back. Just... Don't be here today, I guess. Or too ready. Because today is a concept of human construction. So, anyways, um, today's episode is... We're going to be going through... It's, it's, it's an in-depth episode, but it's also just grazing the surface. Like, it, it is both and yet none. Um, we're going to be talking about the shadow... The darkness, the shadow powers within the SJM universe... And the reason why we're doing this is because, because sometimes they sound similar and sometimes they sound different. Sometimes um, characters, as we know at the end of House of Sky and Breath, like Rune is supposed to look almost, almost identical, not quite identical, but almost identical to Reese. And then we know that, you know, um, we have characters like Maeve and then we have like the Valg versus Reese and like we, there's this whole big um kind of knotted ball of of information and powers and characters who who maybe sound like they have the same powers and then like maybe they don't and like is there a difference and i'm going to throw in a a, a a new warning just i think i'm just going to leave it specifically for this episode um being an author is hard uh as somebody who has dabbled in writing uh as somebody who has scrutinized uh, books to a scary level of insanity, 
writing is hard and sometimes we do need to have a little bit of grace for maybe things not being totally clear or things sounding somewhat similar but maybe the author is just trying to like you know there's only so many ways you can uh describe this you know a tangible force attacking somebody whether that be with light or with darkness or with water or with flame and so sometimes we just have to take that into account that sometimes sometimes it might walk like a horse it might have hooves like a horse and it could eat the same things as a horse but sometimes it's a donkey you know, like, sometimes it's a mule, which is a cross between a donkey and a horse, I'm pretty sure. So, like, sometimes it's a mule. And, and, and sometimes we just have to, like, have that, like, that grace to just, like, ha ha, writing is hard. Ha ha ha, carrying on. And, like, I think that's my warning for today is that for this episode, we're going to be talking about all these powers and I'm going to be drawing the similarities between them and my thoughts on all of these characters and where their powers come from. Um, so today's kind of a theory episode as well. Um, so just have that in mind to take everything with a little dash of, ha ha ha, isn't Sarah so funny? Ha ha ha, we love her and like move on. Um, but I do think that we do need to have this conversation about these powers because maybe not all of them, but definitely some of them are supposed to draw parallels to each other for a reason. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So with that being said, I do not speak for Sarah. I do not speak for Bloomsbury. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. This is what I have gathered. It's hard. Sometimes these notes drain the life out of me. Sometimes I feel like I am not enough making these notes. I feel like I'm missing something or I'm not pulling from the right information or I'll go back through stuff and then I'll find something I'm like, oh, why didn't I bring that up in that episode? Like, that happens to me not... I mean, it happens to me a lot. I, I'm, yeah, it happens to me a lot. I'm just like, oh, how did I forget that? Or I wish I took... You know, when I first did my reread of these books, I almost wish I had, like, my tablet open next to me and I was just typing information as I went. Like, I really do. But I also am trying to keep the sanctity of these books, um, you know, fun and magical. So I haven't done that because I want to do that. Um, I don't ever want this to feel like homework, um, but when I have episodes with notes like these, I, I do feel like this overwhelming amount of, I am not, an, like, I am not, I am not enough, <laughs> essentially, because I just know that I'm going to miss something. I just know that there's, there's no possible way for me to go through all 15 of these books with, with in a time constraint, because, you know, I, I have to record weekly, um, and not miss something, and I just have to hope that I don't miss anything, like, massive, but if I do, like, have grace for me, I'm a human, I'm trying, I do this for fun, um, and yeah, so there's that, and then also, you know, I talk weird, I have been, I've been sick, I don't know what's going on with me, I'm not, like, sick sick, but, like, you can hear it in my voice, I've just had a voice thing, it started last week when I was recording last week's episode, and it's still here, so just bear with me as I sound like a 1920s radio host, which could be a vibe, honestly, it could be a vibe. So I've pulled together notes on 
Reese as Rune, Cormac, the Bone Carver, of course, he is my man, Lorcan, Maeve, Valg, and Erwin is in that Valg list, and the Darkbringers. Now, before we even get into all of that, there's a few things I want to note. Number one, the... The Princes of Hell's world is Mighty Creatures of Night, okay? So we've never seen the Princes of Hell's powers at all. Um, we are not even told actually anything about them other than this tiny little piece of information from the Asteri. Um, so I don't know how to fit that into there, so I'm just going to say that. I also want to point out that the Valg princes get their powers from Void, and Void, I want to assume, is going to be that capital D darkness we hear throughout Throne of Glass, which is what the witches worship. We know that the witches are witches. The witches are half Valg or part Valg, so there is that. They also have... I didn't do notes on it for this particular episode, but we also have the witches... Um, embrace, which can be dark, um, but it also can be light. It's it it's it's um, more or less a, a a reflection of one's inner self. You know that's why the thirteens yielding was different than the other yieldings that we had seen. So I didn't put notes on that, but I would be remiss if I did not at least bring them into the topic. Um, I do see that. I do note that. Um, it is a really good chance that, like, the Princes of Hell, Void, and, like, Reese all kind of stem from the same place. And, and in some cases, I would even... Here's the thing. We're just going to get into it. I, I have been on record to say that I think Reese is Valk. I still think Reese is Valk. I think Reese is half Valg, half whatever the heck the starborn princes princesses were which is the night hair Helena, whose golden skin porch shadows and starlight um so there's that so like there's reese um i think he falls in like both camps if that's even possible and then you have like um like the valg creatures and they also have darkness, but, like, they're obviously not starborn. So it's, like, this really weird mix, especially when it comes to Resand. But when it comes to Reese, I actually think he is a very powerful Darkbringer with a second power. So I think Reese has the same powers that the Darkbringers have, which is what I'm going to assume is what the Avalon Fae have. Um, because I think that the Avalon Flay and the Night Court Fay are one and the same. But I also think Reese has something else in him, and that's Valg. And I don't know how that works, but I know it to be true. Because I'd, I've started to do my um, Akatar reread, so like I'm even noticing it more now. When Reese is angry or upset, I think that's his Valg side that starts to get showed because. Thera notes that, like, his eyes will turn, like, to a night sky, like, basically turn black. There will be no stars. Versus when he is happy, there are stars in his eyes. And his powers, it is night, it has stars, galaxies in it, we'll talk about it in a second, but when he's angry, it's, there is no night, it's just darkness. So, there's an interesting duality to Resand, and I think 
this is something I want, I've, I've kind of, the first episode I ever planned when I was thinking about making this podcast was actually a Reese character deep dive. And one of the first things I had really thought tr- truly on is how this duality shows Reese so perfectly. It is, a, his, his powers is a reflection of his character. And you see that as High Lord of the Night Court, this Valg-like darkness, no stars, just an endless abyss of darkness versus the high lord of the court of dreamers of Valaris, where there is the night sky you wish on the night sky you know all that kind of stuff and there's more of a beauty to the darkness favor even notes that he he is the darkness and she is and because of his darkness and she is the star stars eternal it's his darkness that lets her shine and i think that's like that high lord of the dreamers like kind of thing so so reese is an interesting character to look at and i think i want to start with him because because i i think that he's a good character to start with when we're talking about these these characters um reese has this darkness right and he also has a plethora of other powers as well so we know he's a dimity but that's not tied to any powers or court but we can say that we have noticed that people with Demeti or Demeti-like powers all kind of span to a Valg-like character. You know, Maeve, Erwin, uh, the Valg princes all have, like, Demeti-like power. They're all Valg. So, there's that. He can winnow. He can do his misting. Uh, his misting power plagues me we're not going to talk about today because it's not it's not part of his shadow powers um we don't know what kind of powers his father had other than the misting um we don't know if any of his parents had any kind of demeti power we know nothing we know that amran helped keep it kept him from going insane and helped train him in some ways but that's about it we know that he can shield and then he has the shadows as well as night it's kind of a wishy-washy like I said, duality of his character. There are, like, two different types of it. And I'm gonna let Reese explain it in his own words. I'm sure you guys know exactly what passage I'm gonna be reading from. It's in Akamath 30, and it says this. There are different kinds of darknesses, Reese said. I kept my eyes shut. There is the darkness that frightens, the darkness that soothes, the darkness that is restful. I pictured each. There is the darkness of lovers, the darkness of assassins. It becomes what the bearer wishes it to be, needs it to be. It is not wholly bad or good. I only saw the darkness of that dungeon cell, the darkness of the bone carver's lair. Cassian swore, but Azriel murmured a soft challenge that had their blades striking again. Open your eyes. And I did, and found darkness all around me. Not from me, but from Reese, As if the sparring ring had been wiped away, and the world had yet be- to begun. Quiet, soft, peaceful. Lights began twinkling. Little stars, blooming irises of blue and purple and white. I reached out a hand towards one, and starlight danced on my fingertips. Far away, in another world perhaps, Azrael and Cassian sparred in the dark, no doubt using it as a training exercise. 
I shifted the stars between my fingers like a coin on the hand of a magician. Here, in the soothing, sparkling dark, a steady breath filled my lungs. I couldn't remember the last time I had done such a thing. Breathed easily. Then the darkness splintered and vanished, swifter than smoke on the wind. I found myself blinking back at the blinding sun, arms still out, resand still before me. So, like, looking at this, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but for me, sometimes it's, when I'm reading my, 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 my vision tunnels, um, to, like, a small scope, and I kind of forget that this, these worlds, these characters, these scenes are very large, um, especially, like, in battle scenes. I'm always picturing the battle, like, teeny tiny, like, in a little microscope, and they're just tiny little, like, there's not a lot, and then, like, I'll see fan arts, and, like, it's these, you know, thousands of people battling it out, and I'm like, ooh, I did not picture that as I was supposed to, and sometimes that happens with these powers. Sometimes I just forget not forget, but I don't, I almost don't picture it the way I'm supposed to. Like, when I hear about, like, Rhysand's, like, night powers, I forget that there are literal stars in it, or his eyes. Like, they're not just sparkly because there's light shining on them, or they're glassy. No, there are literal, literal stars in his eyes. Like, he, he, his eyes, which, as I mentioned before, like, when he's angry, they turn black, versus when he's happy, and when he's happy, like, it's not purple, it's not blue, it's, like, it's literally a night sky that you would see, like, from the Hubble telescope. It's so much more vivid and so much more, like, ma mystical and magical, which, of course, that's how we're supposed to picture it, because he's a, it's a mystical and magical world, but sometimes me, human Lillian me, uh, forgets that, and I'm just like, oh, his eyes are purple but they're not just purple. They're like, there's like so much more to it. And reading this passage again, like the way she said she shifted a star between her fingers, like a coin, like starlight danced on my fingertips, like night-haired Helena, whose golden skin poured starlight and shadow. Is that not, is it, is it, is it somehow different? Is she also beaming starlight in one hand and wafting off a black wave in the other hand? Or was it, was it Sarah's sneaky way of, in the first books, being like, it's, it's like the night power that Reese has, but I don't want to give away the crossover just yet. And so she kind of just cheekily played it off. Or is it different somehow? Like, that's where I'm questioning. Because, like, I want to be like Reese's Starborn. Because, obviously, I want to be like Reese's Starborn. But is it different? Is it not different? Is Thea's powers different? And then she had her children with someone who had this darkness power. And they bred the Darkbringers. Which we'll talk about the Darkbringers in a second. Will I ever know? I don't know. I really hope so. So, but there's more to Reese's power. And it says in Akamath 39, this is when he's having his, um, it, one of his nightmares. And Feyre says that 
it was just completely dark. And she says, around and around the darkness swirled, beginning and end of the world. She says, an icy breath hit my palm. So he's, this is interesting. This is very interesting. When it's just darkness, no stars in it, Reese is cold. And Feyre notes this a few times that when Reese, uh, I think it's even specifically in, um, there's, she notices it twice, once with Asriel and once with Reese during the High Lord's meeting, when both of the boys, um, express a extraordinary amount of power to break through the wards and attack someone. Um, they both are cold afterwards, like to the touch, cold. So, note that, because the Vile come from a what? A cold and dark world? Where did the princes of hell come from? A cold and mighty creatures of night? Hell was a cold, dark world? Mm, interesting. So anyways, so she says, his hand was so cold, and then she goes on to say, and then, like snow when he had waken up, woken up, like snow had shaken from a tree, his darkness fell away, taking mine with it, because she ends up using her own darkness to lull him back to comfort. Moonlight poured in, and the sound of the city. So, Reese's power also blocked out sound, which I think is very interesting, because Rune makes a point, and we'll talk about it, to say that his power can't block out sound. Azriel's shadows muffle his sound, and block out his sound, as well as his scent. So, you know, there's that. And then when Feyre talks about her power in this scene, she says, Like some dam had cracked open inside me, I glanced at my hand and willed it to vanish into shadow. It did. Half a thought scattered the darkness again. So she doesn't bring up any night sky, but she does, like, she just brings up this shadow power. Like, just this darkness that she says is from Reese. So, again, there seems to be, like, some kind of duality in this power that Reese has and now Feyre has. In Akamath 55, it says, It was small magic, he had once told me, to keep the damper on who he... Well, this is when, um, ch chapter 55, of course, do I even need to say it? Um, when they're solidifying their mating bond and Reese actually lets his glamour down because remember, all high lords keep this glamour or dampening down to make them more, I would say, palliable. And she says, He once told me to keep the damper on who he was, what his power looked like. As the full majesty of him was unleashed, he filled the room, the world, my soul, with glittering ebony power. Stars and wind and shadow. Wind and shadows. Peace from dreams honed on the edge of nightmares. Darkness rippled from him like tendrils of steam as he reached out a hand and laid it flat against the glowing of my skin. The hand of night splayed, the light leaking through the wafting shadows. And I hoisted myself up on my elbows to kiss him. Smoke and mist and dew is what he tastes. I think it's interesting that she notes wind here. As we had talked last week, um, I do believe that Avalyn was like darkness, dark wind, and mist. And that's what kind of made me go like, oh yeah, we really need to have more of a discussion on this. Um... So, interesting that Reese also has this, like, wind, 
And again, like I had said with that, you know, interesting, that new warning is like, sometimes we just have to like let an author yada yada to explain something. And sometimes it might sound similar because I don't, because she's trying to give us a visual of this. And sometimes it's a little bit obscured. Like sometimes it's wind, but sometimes it's like, you know, tendrils. Reese also has phantom hands. So, like, there's, 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 there's more, there's so much more to it, and it's really hard to just, like, piece out one piece of it, because it all plays together. In Aquar 14, Ferris says, I could have sworn only darkness and stars swirled beyond his shoulders, a blink and they were gone. In Aquar 39, it says, stars glimmered and burned in those beautiful eyes. Again, um... And then in that same chapter, it says, darkness blotted out the stars in his eyes, the darkness of assassins and thieves, the darkness of uncompromising death. So again, the darkness blotted out the stars, leaving his eyes wholly dark. In Aquar 44, um, during the High Lord's meeting, which we had just talked about, um, this is when he takes away Tam's ability to speak. And then Feyre notes that he is as different as Fey are to humans as Reese is to the other High Lords. Like, Reesand is a whole different breed. And it says, a hand of darkness wept, swept away those stars, but he reclined in his chair, withdrawing his hand from my knee to trace idle circles in his seat's wooden arms. So, I don't even know. Like, I, when I remember that passage, he is as different as Fey are to human. I think that's exactly what she says. Like, my whole brain just sort of, like, <laughs> like, what? Like, what? In Akfast 6, it's, this is in Moore's perspective. She says, Reese slid his hands into his pockets, a portrait of casual grace, yet the shadows and star-flecked darkness that wafted from him, as if they're two different things, shadows, and then there's the star-flecked darkness that wafted off him, and set the mountain shuddering beneath his every step. That was the true face of the High Lord of the Night Court, the most powerful High Lord in history. So we have these two different things. We have shadows, and then we have this star-flecked darkness. Reese calls his power shadows in Akafas, um, when he's talking about Az's shadows, and he's like, I have shadows, but Az's shadows are a little bit different. And I think that was Sarah, like, I don't know, even if it was just her own mind, like, trying to work out the kinks of different powers, to be like, yeah, they're the same, but they're different, and you just kind of gotta go with it. And I think that's what Reese and Sarah were trying to, like, explain to us. But what's... I want to move from from High Lord of the Night Court to the Night Court Legion. So this is what is called the Darkbringers. I am endlessly fascinated by the Darkbringers because they are not talked about enough nor explained a lot in the books. But Kier, Moore's father, is a Darkbringer, which I think is really interesting because we know that power is hereditary um, for the most part in the Fae. We don't know what Moore's power is, but I wonder, I really do wonder if she does have some kind of Darkbringer power, which would go hand in hand with my theory of her being starborn, Starlight and Shadows, if she was able to be a Darkbringer, but also have that starbornness 
as well as whatever truth power she has, which I don't even want to go into because that's a headache that we've already spiraled into and we kind of just ended up leaving it where it was because it's going to be whatever Sarah decides it to be and I can't, I can't weasel my way into, I, you know, into explaining that until Sarah's ready to explain it. So, the Darkbringers. We learn about them in, um, in Akawar. And then we get to, like, see them in the war. So, this is the Night Court's official legion. Um, we know that Kira's family used to n- rule the north and the prison area. Um, and interestingly enough, because I was doing, you know, I wanted to be as thorough as I could be. Um, I had never done this. I looked into Kier's name, and it's Irish for dark or dusky and or darkness, which is so Sarah, is so Sarah J. Mass. It's not, like, I had to, like, I set my pencil down, and I was like, of course it is. Of course it is. Well, what else was I expecting out of this? Um, so, yeah. So, in Aquawar 56, this is during the war. We actually get to see the Darkbringers. We only get small glimpses of them throughout the war, but I'll just run through them really quickly. Kier's Darkbringers charged on foot, swathed in wisps of night and armed with star bright steel. In Aquar 70, it says, Cassian, I couldn't even spot him beyond the blazing flare of his siphons near the front line, crimson glowing amid the vicious shadows of Kier's Darkbringers as they wielded them to their advantage. Blinding swaths of Hybern soldiers in sudden darkness, then blinding them when they ripped these shadows away and left them with nothing but glaring sunlight, left nothing but their awaiting blades, which is... Sarah loves to blind people. In Akwar 71, it says, Kier's Darkbringers now little more than wisps of shadows amid the chaos. Then in Akwar 74, it says, Kier's screaming at his Darkbringers to get back into position, plumes of shadows flaring from him. So, it is my belief that the Darkbringers are the same as Avalon, um, in, in some way. Uh, but we have to remember there is a caveat with the, when we look at the Crescent City Fae, which we'll do, um, in a minute, um, that they are lacking, uh, the full might of their powers. The Asteri have taken it. So, um, I can only assume that they are, whatever nightness they have might be dimmed, I guess I would say. But I want to assume that the Avalon Fae are meant to parallel the Night Court Fae, the Night Court Fae, um, in the same way that Fae in courts seem to have similar-ish powers. This Darkbringer is the Night Court's kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, coined, I guess. Coined power um, is this Darkbringerness. I think Reese has this Darkbringer power, but as I said, I think he has a secondary power um, that comes from whatever Valgness is in him. I've said it before, I think his High Lord form is Valg, um, is a Valg wordhound, um, very, because, I mean, obviously, we've, we've done a whole episode on it, and I'll just briefly mention it again, because we have those, the same like beings 
in the night court, etched in the night court, and then they're called like hounds, not hounds in Akasif when Nesta says that she saw them ride the wild hunt. And then they're like, isn't that Reese's High Lord form? And everyone just sort of like shrugs and moves on from it and doesn't actually ever say anything about it. And I'm just sitting here like, uh, can we, should we, I feel like, and then nobody should, can, or, because, because what if those are, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna go there. I'm gonna go there for a second. What if those were fey, or fey-like creatures that had a shift form, that was those weird vowed-like things, that rode the wild hunt? I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it because we gotta just finish up Akatar really quick. Um, in Akwar, in the war, when the Bone Carver comes to fight, of course, it's me. I'm going to bring up the Bone Carver whenever I can. Um, in Akwar 70, it says the Bone Carver fought near Bryaxis, no weapons to be seen beyond the scimitar of ivory of bone in that male's hands. He swept it before himself as if he were threshing wheat. Soldiers dropped dead before it, barely a blow laid upon them. And then it says this, right onto its own lines, where the bone carver was gleefully shredding apart soldiers, draining the life from them in sweeps and gusts of that deadly wind. So, oh, we're not done with Akatar. I forgot Asriel. I literally just saw his name right next. How did I forget about Az? <sighs> so, so far, we have Nightbringer, we have the darkness that Reese has, and then we have this deadly wind, and then there's one other um, set of darkness shadow powers in Akatar, and that is shadow singing. I'm not gonna spend too much time on Azzy Baby because, and that's literally how I wrote his name in my notes, Azzy Baby, um, because we did a we did two weeks worth of talking about Azrael, which I'm always okay to talk about Azrael, but I'm just going to make um, a few points, uh, just run through really quickly the the basis of his shadow singing abilities, and I'm going to do that because when we talk about Rune and Cormac, it's going to be important to note um, what we know about shadow singing and what we know about Dark Ringers, so we can kind of try and understand what the powers are that the Crescent City two males have. So, Asriel can sense things. Um, he can sense when Reese comes back, which also just seems like something that anyone with magic can do. Um, Aelin and her magic can sense Lorcan. We know that Lorcan's power can kind of, like, like, magic can, in a way, like, talk to each other. Um, Dorian senses... I want to say it... it somewhat, I wonder if it was Maeve's power or something, um, like a curious dark magic or something in the beginning of EOS. So, like, Azzy being able to, ugh, I need to stop. It's, it's ingrained in my brain to say Azzy, baby. Like, it's literally in my head to say it. It's like when someone has a nickname and people just forget their first name. Like, that's what's happened to me somehow in the recess, in the chaos of my mind. Azriel has lost his name and he is just Azzy Baby, which honestly, if I was in the books, he probably would kill me. Like, in no way would I be able to, like, worm my way into Azriel's friend group. 
<sighs> so I just get to keep, I don't know, whatever. Um, so Asriel being able to sense things is not necessarily too much of a red flag, but Asriel could feel slash hear the cauldron, which only made people were, were should only be able to. So I will say that. He can winnow with his shadows or with the help of his shadows. It's not ever clear. All it says is winnow, not winnow, but nobody's ever explained it. And whenever we see him winnow, he like steps into shadows or steps out of shadows. Um, but it's never explained how we learn to do it. Is it any different? Does he have the fundamental um, understanding of winnowing? but he chooses to let his shadows do some of the heavy lifting because it doesn't strain him as much. Uh, I have no clue. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Um, he can also maybe go into other people's minds with the shadows. Again, it's, it's, it could be a yada yada-ing, but we, we talked about it in the Azrael episode because I, like, went on a whole mental breakdown over it. Um, how, Ira says, like, I know how to defend against Demetti, but he was only, he was with Asriel, not Reese. Um, yeah, so it's never explained how that happened, uh, and it's kind of just left here. And there are a few moments where Asriel, like, uh, like, there's just a few moments where, like, maybe that's how, why he's the spy master is because he can like also go into people's minds with again maybe with just the help of his shadows but still and then his shadows can hide him shield him um can also hide his sound and sense and then as we learn in his bonus chapter in his perspective he says that his shadows can like read people's tone to see if they're lying, which I think is really interesting. Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't, again, we don't get enough in Azzy's pers- in Azriel's, uh perspective to really, like, glean enough information about his shadows um, other than they are, in fact, adorable and I will be utterly heartbroken if for for whatever reason, he loses his shadows. Like, I am on team, Asriel keeps his shadows. Um, very clearly. And I said that in his episode. I was like, I, I put my foot down, he keeps his shadows. I'll be very upset if he loses them. So, we know that, um, his shadows, again, kind of like this Demetti power that I keep kind of bringing back up with him, Feyre notes that her eyes kind of, like, like skim over him when his shadows start to conceal him as if her mind is like no don't look there um and sometimes she like forces herself to look there but again it's like she t- she mentions how it's like her eyes like glaze over him if that's if it's just like a mind trick <laughs> as if he's like a jedi mind trick basically um so that's also what his shadows can do we get a lot of um, likenesses when it comes to his shadows. Um, it says they're swirls of darkness. They wreath him. Their dark hive ensconce him, twinning, whispering, snakes ready to strike multiple times with the st- snakes thing. 
um, like smoke, swarm him, writhing, slithering, swirling, lots of S words um, to describe it. So there is that. Oh, and with Azriel's um, shadows, when he when they talk about him and his shadow singing abilities, it says that he learned the language of darkness and stone. And then one other time they say the shadows and wind. So, which I think is really interesting that he learned the language of stone because and the wind, because the wind talks to quite a few people and also the stones talk to quite a few people. So... I don't know what it means, but I think it's the same thing. I, I don't know how. I don't know what. I don't know who's in the stones and the wind talking to people. But I do know that enough people do it where I am suspicious. And I am very curious to see how Asriel learned how to do it. I'd also like to note that it seems like Asriel's shadows are sentient. So I would be wary of any um, like shadow play because then consent is kind of murky uh not to like bring the to bring the party down bring the vibes down but he they are sending it in the sense that he has conversation he has conversations with them and they talk back to him they feed him information they tell him things and he talks back to them especially you can see that in um his bonus chapter and he is so gentle when he talks to them it's if you didn't love him before, the way that he talks to his shadows is so cute. Is so cute. When um, Pharaoh notes him winnowing, it says, As if he'd summoned him, Azrael stepped out of a pocket of shadows by the stairs and scanned us from head to toe, his eyes lingering on the blood crusting Reese's hands. Then also Azrael... Um, can also become a shadow it's not quite said here but in Akwar 52 it says Azrael kept a few steps away little more than a shade of one of the oaks behind us it's not expressly said but then in Akwar 63 it says Azrael stepped out of a shadow and then in Akwar 64 it says Azrael silently faded into blackness until he was my own shadow and nothing more then she says in Akwar um, 65, I couldn't see Azrael, but I could feel him, as if the siphon parading itself as Ianthe's jewel was a tether. He dwelled in every pocket of shadow, darting ahead and behind. And then it says, Azrael's shadow hand grasped my own, tugging me closer. His rage rippled off of his invisible form. And then it says, Azrael merged from the deepest shadow. So it's not like, I can't tell if he's 2D or 3D. I don't know. In my head, he like literally becomes a shadow himself. Like, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if he could go through things, if that makes any sense. Like, like locked doors wouldn't be a problem for him, um, aside from like magical wards but even magical wards he usually can break through the only and the reason why he was so upset in Aquar is because the human queen's kingdom was so locked down that you know as he is as real is a little bit um 
would say he he's arrogant, but he has the right to be. Um, and that's why he was so upset because like it should have been easy for him because magical wards, locked doors, all this stuff, these have never been an issue for him essentially until now. And it was bothering him that he couldn't figure it out because he likes to win. His uh, um, shadows coil around his fingers. They perch on his shoulders. They wreath him. They curl around him. Um, they trail off of him. They veil him from sunlight. Um, they shield, like I said, they shield his scent. They are murmuring, whispering. See, in his bonus chapter, he says, Azrael winnowed into the shadows. So I think that's, I think I might be on the right track with him is that he can winnow, but he uses his shadows to, to, in tandem with it. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Okay, so that's what I'm going to say about Azrael. Now let's talk about Rune and Cormac and see what we can distinguish from it, because I have my thoughts, and I might be on the wrong, like, I might, everybody else might be flip-flopped from me, but I might, I maybe I'll change the minds. We'll see. We'll talk about it. All right, let's talk about Rune. So we know Rune is also a Demetti, or half Demetti, part Demetti, hasn't trained, isn't powerful enough yet to um, go into other people's minds yet. We don't know, like, how much strain it causes a Demetti to, you know, maybe, maybe a fully powerful Demetti can, can go into other people's minds, but maybe, like, a half powerful Demetti can only just talk telepathy. I don't know. Um, we do know Rune really hasn't told anybody about his Demeti powers or his mind-speaking powers, aside from, you know, his most trusted and most loved family and friends. So it makes sense that he, if he hasn't told anybody, he hasn't trained them. So he possibly could do it, but just hasn't gotten there quite yet. Um, so I'll leave it at that. And I just want to say that because like I said, there is an interesting correlation between the people with darkness powers and also people who can go into other people's minds. And that's why I'm like, I'm pointing out what everybody can do as well as what their darknesses do and how they're described. So, Rune's powers are almost always synonymously talked about when it comes to the Avalon Fae, which we kind of talked a lot about yesterday, so I'll just kind of do it quick rundown um house of earth and blood chapter six but rumor claimed that ruin's magic was more like those of his kin who ruled the sacred isle of avalon across the sea power to summon shadows or mist that could not only veil the physical world but the mind as well perhaps even telepathy house of earth and blood chapter 14 one of my favorite chapters in that entire book um Rune controlled the anger thrumming through him. His shadow magic seeked to veil him, shield him from sight. Another reason his father resented him beyond his starborn gifts, the bulk of his magic skewed towards his mother's kin, the fae who ruled Avalon, the mist-strotted isles in the north, the sacred heart of Fadum. His father would have burned Avalon to ashes if he could. And then he says, to summon and walk through shadows. And then he says... His shadow's talents were more interesting. Even the temperature monitors in the high-tech cameras in this city couldn't detect him when he was shadow-walking. So, that is actually really interesting. Because, um, 
I I wonder something I didn't actually mention when we were talking about Reese is that Reese also can do recon. Reese also can hide. Um in the similar vein as Azriel. So and Azriel also is Azriel, so um he can become a shadow. We don't really know exactly what that means. But they don't have the same, you know, obviously they don't have the same technology as they do in Crescent City. And I would be really interested to see, like, them doing, like, an escape room, essentially, like, to test out powers. To see, like, oh, can you detect um, Reese's magic? Can you detect Azrael? Because Azrael gets cold when he uses the full extent of his um, shadow singing abilities. So could you be able to detect that? So, is there a difference between Azrael and Rune? Because when Rune uses his powers, he doesn't really get cold. Not that I've ever noticed, but I could have missed it. Um, before we go, I guess I should say... I'll say it after. Okay. So, in House of Earth and Blood, Chapter 16, it says, Rune had been learning to wield his shadows from his hateful cousins in Avalon. So... There's that. And then he said he had learned from his cousins in Avalon how to make the shadows solidify, how to wield them as whips and shields and pure torment, physical and mental. What does that mean? And mental? What? What? Is it ever explained? Absolutely not. So, Rune learned how to wield his shadows by the Avalon Fae. It is my belief that Rune is not a shadow singer. But Lillian, but, uh, but Lillian, no. I have thought very long and very hard on this. I think it is a red herring that Asriel, this is graphic, and I'm sorry, I'm just warning you now, Asriel was burned with fire on his hands by his, I won't even call him his brothers, by those people who were near him when he was a child. And then Rune was burned by the Autumn King. I think that's a red herring. I do not think fire creates shadow singers. That is my belief. I think Cormac was the shadow singer. I also think Cormac is still alive. That is like, you know, high conspiracy tinfoil tiara Lillian. Um, but I, I, I don't think Cormac is dead, but I do think Cormac was a shadow singer. And we'll talk about when we talk about Cormac. But I just want to point out that Reese and Rune are meant to be parallels of each other. Avalyn and the Night Court seem to parallel each other. It makes sense to me that they would have the same powers. Interestingly enough, as I had said, Reese kind of points out that As and him kind of have similar powers, but very different. That is something that happens with Cormac and Rune. So, again, it is, you know, my the most logical brain that I have, or thought process that I have in my brain, is that... If Rune and Reese are supposed to be nearly identical, nearly, because not quite, not quite, but nearly, um, it would make sense that they both have this Darkbringer power. So I think Rune is a Darkbringer. 
Darkbringers hailed from the Night Court. We know that the Starborn Fae and the Night Court were um, closely tied in some ways. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. And I'm just going to kind of leave it at that and move on with his powers. So, in House of Earth and Blood, Chapter 21, when they're in Luna's Temple, we learn that um, he can shield them from sight. Um, and he also says that he demonstrated how his shadows and starlight worked, both halves of his powers working as one, which is never expanded on, but is really interesting when you consider that, again, Reese has that starlight in his darkness. So there's that. Um, and then it says the shadows could only hide him from sight, not sound, which I do find interesting because as I had pointed out, Reese could sh muffle sound, but Asriel can hide scent, sound, and sight. S scent, sight, sound. Ooh, say that 10 times fast. Um, because as you'll see in um, House of Sky and Breath, that Mordok could still smell him while he was there. So, yeah, there's that. Um, then with Rune, he calls it shadow walking. Um, also, to tie him back to being a dark bringer, his innermost self is a night sky with galaxies and stars and, you know, whatever. So, again, I feel like if he was actually the shadow singer, then he would have been just darkness itself or something like that. Um, but I will, I will point out that um, there, there is some... <laughs> interesting wording that you know i talked about the wording with azriel shadows with rune he is wreathed in shadows um they swirl like wings one time which actually happens with reese before we find out that he's in lyrian and then they say they wreathed his fingertips whips ready to snap um he calls them they twin through his hair his shadow nest or whatever he called them a wall of shadows the darkness running over her her skin like mist and then it says shadows whispering around him the but the prince exhaled the shadows the tension and they vanished and then it says that his shadows murmured inside him ready to strike he willed them to settle um there's two times that they are likened to snakes, which is similar to Azrael. So I do understand why other people will think that he's a shadow singer. I'm not discrediting you guys. There's a good chance that I'm wrong. But let's look at Cormac and go back to that, okay? In Hosab 3, it says this, he wasn't looking at a portal to hell at all. Shadows swirled there instead, familiar whispering shadows. And then it says, a familiar golden hair fae male strode from those shadows into the foyer. So, <clears throat> whenever Cormac winnows, he winnows out of shadows, not a rip in the world, which I find really interesting. It is never described as that. Ever. To my knowledge. To my knowledge, it's never described like that. But he does, when he's teaching Bryce how to winnow, he does say, almost word for word the exact same way that Reese talks about it. 
So there's that. But then it says <clears throat> in Hosab 4, but shadows also swirled behind Cormac, darker, wilder than runes, like a stampede of stallions waiting to gallop over all of them. It says that the shadows swirl, and then they say that in chapter 16 of Hosab, shadows ran down Cormac's arms, trailing like smoke from his shoulders, like runes, shadows only darker, more feral somehow. More feral. I don't know why they're darker. They're more feral. I, I don't know. It just his shadows. Um, when but Cormac appeared before her in a plume of shadows. Wind roared and the world spun out beneath her. That's when they winnow with him. It just it sounds more like Asriel. What Asriel does with his shadows. Um, there's a few times where like they like rise with his emotions very similar to Asriel um like ready to defend what is his when he's talking about um Sophie so yeah it just oh, it makes more sense and then it says in Hosab 30 Mordak whirled towards it at Rune and Rune ran dropping the shadows around himself Cormac appeared in a writhing nest of darkness grabbed his arms and teleported them out yeah, I don't know. It sounds like he... So, the reason why I think Cormac is the Shadow Singer is because he winnows. Like Azrael. We also know that Cormac has, is a spy. Like Azrael. And he's able to break into and hide his scent, um, apparently, from the rebels. Or from, like, the Asteri as a rebel this whole time. Kind of. Because, I mean, obviously... Rigel knows about it, but I don't think that was from anything other than, um, you know, being all knower of the world, obviously. And then, like, all of it comes from his winnowing, essentially, because a lot of Cormac's power is just in his winnowing throughout the books. But they say one foot into the shadows when he, when they're talking about him winnowing, like, he steps backwards into his shadows and then he winnows out. Which sounds like what Asriel does. So, Rune, Darkbringer, Cormac, Shadowsinger. Hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, as we go through this train ride of information, journeying through the entire SJMU, I would like to direct your attention to the left. And if you look down into the gutter, you'll find Maeve. Maeve does not use her power a lot, which I found interesting. Um, there's, like, basically two times that she uses her darkness power. Now, Maeve has a lot of other interesting powers that I'll just quickly run through. Um, she has an invisible hand. She is somewhat Demetti, and the first time she uses those powers, it is almost exactly like the first time we see Reese use his powers on Pharaoh when she's still a human in the Spring Court. She can see the future, glimmers of the future. Is that ever expanded upon? Nope. She can also pull psychic threads that alter fate. Is that ever expanded on? Nope. And she can also shapeshift, not just shapeshift into the body that was Maeve and, like, bound her body, but 
in Kingdom of Ash, she shapeshifts into Aelin and Manon, trying to tempt Erwin into sex. <laughs> Interestingly enough, he was not tempted by Aelin, but he was tempted by Manon. I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole, but... Uh, so, she can also do all of that. Obviously, she's also a world walker. Um, she did give her princesses their spider forms, I want to say. Um, so, yeah. So, she can also do that, but we're going to focus on her darkness. Something that's interesting, um, before I even get into it, is... The dream she is described as dreams and nightmares given form, which I think, if I remember correctly, that is something that is described as Reese as well. So, the reason why I kind of like I I really wanted to make sure I brought Maeve up in this conversation is because there is direct correlations between Maeve, Reese, and Rune. Maeve has purple eyes one time. I, I almost wonder if it was, like, a scrapped plot line or um, something that Sarah had thought of and then kind of just, like, gently put back down because every other time she has, like, black eyes, essentially, or dark eyes. Um, but, yeah, so she says in Airfire when describing Maeve's power, There were legends whispered over fires about the other skin Maeve wore. No one had lived to tell anything beyond shadows and claws and darkness that could devour your soul. Also, how Reese is earlier described as. <laughs> in Empire Storms, chapter 71, it says, um, Her gaze drifted down to a lead. The ancient eternal darkness in it was smothering. It says, um, She can... A wall of darkness lashed for Aelin. It says, Darkness poured down, pounding again and again. Um, and then it goes on to say, as that dark ancient power struck her like a hammer on an anvil, and then it says Maeve advanced, darkness swirling around her like a fell wind. In Tower Dawn, chapter 49, it says, Nezrin had heard legends of Maeve's dark, unnamed power, a darkness that could devour the stars, that Maeve had never revealed a fey form, only that deadly darkness. And then in Kingdom of Ash, chapter 10, it says darkness swirled around Maeve's fingers, which is essentially the only time her power is ever casually out. So unlike everybody else, um, who their power just sort of plumes off of them in various different ways, Reese to Azrael to Rune to Cormac, even Feyre to some extent. Um, I mean, even even Hunt, even Aelin, even Rowan, um, everyone else, their power just sort of kind of is always needing an outlet. Maeve's almost never does, which I think is really interesting when you look at her, her character. Um, like, she is just a well-contained monster. Like, like, for the most part, magic is always described as just, like, a wild will of of self of soul and it kind of in a way has its own ness own sentience in some way like Aelin talks to her fire often and especially throughout kingdom of ash um 
And I think there's something to be said about the fact that Maeve is not friends with her power. Maeve is not, Maeve is master of her power. And it's not wild. It's not willful. It is, it is a rigid soldier of her command in a way, which I think does describe Maeve very well. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And also Maeve's power is not, there is no flowery prose when it comes to Maeve's power. It just, a wall of darkness, a lash of darkness. And that's kind of it. Aside from like her Dometi powers, her illusions she can spin, um, you know, other, the other stuff. I feel like Sarah put more attention on her other powers and her backstory rather than just the darkness that she has. And that brings me to the Valg. And I kind of just clumped all the Valg into one category. This is like Erwin. This is also the princes. This is Dorian's dad, all that kind of stuff. And there's not really much to say on them. They all have, they all seem to have some kind of mind power. Um, the princes in Era Fire, like, showed people their deepest fears and nightmares and then they like died of heart attacks and they fed off of that which sounds exactly like what Amran does in I want to say it's Agamath I'm just saying um which I've brought up every time before let's start in Era Fire 51 um when they're talking about the creatures that Norik um had I think it was even princes that were there I don't remember like exactly what they're you know who and what but it says, along with the darkness that they carried with them, the birds and the animals streamed past the fortress as they fled, an exodus of flapping wings, padded feet, claws clicking on stone, herding the animals to safety where the little folk, hardly more than a gleam of night-seeing eyes. Whatever darkness Norik and the creatures brought, once you went in, you did not come out. And then in Queen of Shadows, it, they are described as they are darkness, they are glory, they are eternal. Later in Queen of Shadows, it says um, when the prince was sent to attack the 13, it says at one, the 13 turned towards the handsome young man. As one, they flinched as he smiled and a wave of darkness crushed into them. Darkness without end, darkness even Manon's eyes couldn't penetrate, and, and then it kind of, kind of cuts off. In Queen of Shadows at the end, when we see Dorian's father, um, it says a spear of darkness, a wave of dark wind, and then it also says the only time, the only time it's ever described like this, in Queen of Shadows, chapter 70, it says, darkness began to build, cracking from the king like forks of lightning. No, Kale breathed, stepping forward, and Aelin grabbed the captain by the arm before he could do something incredibly stupid. A tendril of night slammed into Dorian's back, and he arched, groaning. A tendril of night! I think that's the only time in Throne of Glass it's ever described like that, so, like, I almost just want to throw it away, but I would remiss if I didn't say anything about it. In Empire Storm 17, it says... Erwin was the king of the darkness, with a capital D. In Tower Dawn, chapter 14, it says, But this cloudless bright day, definitely not the Valg's preferred darkness. Aelin had told him how the Valg princes could summon darkness for themselves, darkness that struck down any living creature in its path, draining them dry. Then later in Tower of Dawn, it says, 
On another world, another lifetime, there existed a land of dark and cold and wind, ruled by three kings, masters of shadow and pain. So there is never any anything when it comes to the description of the Valk powers, what they can do, what they can't do. There is nothing like that, um, which I find interesting really, um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I just, I find it an interesting choice on Sarah's part, but it is what it is. Um, so we're never, like, really told clean cut, no history lesson, nothing like that of what the Valg do. What is it exactly that they're doing? All we know is that it's just darkness that can enter the mind, can also be physical, which sounds a lot like Avalon, to be honest. Um, there are some wording, that, like the eternal abyss of darkness, you know, that they use with the Valkings that are, is also used when it comes to Reese, which is interesting and a little scary. Um, but we already, we've already known that Reese has a... has an ability of cruelty, um, but he, you know, is morally gray, and that's just, you know, you gotta love him for all that he is. Also, I would like to point out that, like Maeve, there is not a lot of flowery prose when it comes to the description of Valk powers, so it's kind of hard to place it, and we kind of just have to go, okay, it's just the, you know, just the way the writing was, and we just kind of have to, like, laugh it off and let it go. In my heart of hearts, I would like to say that I think there is a Valg like bloodline in other people similar to the witches in my heart of hearts i think that reese rune and bryce fall into that bloodline bryce especially with her eyes and how her eyes turn, like, burn like coals, just like Erwin's do, just like Manon's do. Um, you know, I just, there's something there with that. The way she can dip into a little ice-cold precipice, just like the Autumn King, just like, you know, Valg, just like Azrael, especially. Um, I think Azrael is part Valg as well. Everybody's part Valg. Everyone! Everyone is Valg! I don't know. I don't think everyone is Valg, but I do think that there is a line um, of the Valg. And if the Valg and the Princes of Hell line up um, in some way, which I do think they could, uh, it would make sense then if Thea's daughters were Adis's daughters as well, if that makes any sense. Or if Finn the first High King of Perithian had... We don't ever learn what his power was. We don't know what kind of fae he was. So if he had a darkness power or was Parvalg himself, um, that would make sense. Especially, like, if there's some correlation between the High King and the Illyrians. Um, the Illyrians have... Uh, a, 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 you could maybe even say a very similar power to the witches, which maybe we'll talk about next week because I have been saying I've wanted to do an in-depth episode on just the Illyrians in general. Um, so I think maybe we'll do that next week. But 
like there could be a correlation to that as well that lines into there i don't know what do you think do you think that rune is the shadow singer do you think cormac is do you think they're dark bringers do you think dark bringers have to do with hell or do you think they have to do with valg do you think valg and hell co- like mush together do you think that mave is is the same? Do you think she is different? Do you think that there is a reason why Maeve and Reese have similar powers? What are your thoughts there? I I genuinely kind of want to know because it's maybe we'll do like a a something um not the day that this comes out but like maybe a day or two after give people time to listen to the episode and maybe we'll do like a Instagrammy thing um and kind of talk it out a little bit more um with more thoughts other than just my own. I forgot about Lorcan. How did I forget about Lorcan? <sighs> really quickly. Lorcan's power is not shadows. It is not darkness, per se. It is a dark wind that, where it struck, soldiers went down and did not rise. It is a death wind, and it's near invisible. Um, He can create a shield with it. Um, he can sense things, death with it, especially, but things, but like I said, I don't think it's them talking to him. I think it's very similar to, as I had said, Dorian and Aelin's power kind of tell them things as well. It says a chilled wind edged in black mist dance between his fingers of his other hand. Lorcan's magic was that of the will of death and the thought of destruction. A wind laced with dust and the coldness of a tomb gnawed through the field. In Empire Storms 40, it says, Lorcan loosened his gift through the panic caravel site. A wave of dark, terrible power sweeping out in a ripple and then rushed back to tell him what it had sensed. His power was gleeful, the breathless in the way he knew too well. Death. And then it says, before her prince could answer, Aelin felt it again. This is in Empire Storms 54. A pulsing dark wind demanded their attention. Not the Valg. No, this darkness was born of something else. Lorcan. And then it says, what is his magic? A death-kissed wind. And then in Koa chapter 114, it says, only to be halted by a shield of black wind. So Lorcan, I don't think, is a shadow singer. I know that was a conversation right when he, um, he, right when Hosab came out. I do not think he's a shadow singer. It is never described as darkness or as shadows. It's always a dark wind. And I think it's, as I had said in the Bone Carver episode, I really do think that Lorcan ties back to the Bone Carver in some fashion. And that's all I'm going to say in there. And yeah, okay. Okay. I'm starting to lose my voice again like I did last week. I don't know what's going on. I feel physically fine. But there's just something going on and I keep almost losing my voice when I'm talking um, for long periods of time. So I'm going to just kind of cut it short. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got this got your brain thinking in all the ways that the SJM universe comes together. Because I do think this is one of those like knotted balls that kind of tie off to other places and maybe we just don't have the full context everything but we're starting to understand and that's like like I say all the time like my biggest want out of doing this podcast is that when House of Sky and Breath comes out you guys will have full background knowledge 
to truly understand when Sarah starts talking about something or when she starts explaining something because they once said it was going to be non-stop reveals and I can only hope that some of it is going to be an explanation of power, an explanation of lineage and all that stuff. So it is my deepest wish for at least you guys to get a really great understanding or at least a foot in the door of understanding, just like me, of the SJM universe so that all of these moments really get their full effect, that we get to go, oh my goodness, ah, that's what I mean, ah, like, that's what I want from this, and that's what I'm, like, really aiming towards with the podcast, so I hope that this episode was one of those episodes for you guys, and I think next week I really did just decide in this moment that I want to talk about the Illyrians, because I do think the Illyrians are going to be important, and we'll talk about why next week, so thank you so much for listening, I hope you guys have a great week, I will see you next week. Hopefully, this voice thing will be done because I'm getting really annoyed with it. Um, and yeah, thanks for bearing with me in my voice. I know it's not um, as good as it as my voice can be sometimes. So yeah. Okay. Thank you and goodbye.